This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to another episode of Jonathan Taylor Thomas talks Major League Baseball. Just, Say that again. <laughs> you're you're just never gonna. This is like this is your new. This is your new thing now. Is it? This is your this is your thing. Uh, yeah, I really like it. I don't know. I really like it because I love the idea of someone scrolling through Apple Podcasts and they are looking at episodes they're like, oh, I'll listen to an Oakland A's preview. And they come up and they're like... As one does. <laughs> yeah, as one does. And you never know. There's some frequent baseball prospectus people that are out there searching right now for the right Oakland A's preview podcast. Um, But they... They see Jonathan Taylor Thomas, the guy from Home Improvement. He's talking baseball these days because people are like, what is he up to? Haven't seen him in a while. And then they tune in and I just love the idea of them tuning in and be like, when is Jonathan Taylor Thomas coming on? I love that idea. I love that that might be a possibility for someone every single week. It gives me joy that someone tunes into us thinking they're going to hear Jonathan Taylor Thomas, which is not, um, we're not advertising incorrectly because... You spell your name differently. The Taylor I do spell ends with an E. T-A-Y-L-E-R. Exactly. Um, I, have, I have gotten to the point now where anytime I spell my last name, I it's, it's unconscious now. When I get to the E, there's always like when I spell it T-A-Y-L-E-R, like I always, I always like emphasize it because mm. I always know if I don't. People. How do you emphasize an E over the R? How do you, isn't still going to come out as Taylor? I mean, it's it's Taylor no matter if the E or the O, but like right. I just you know I want I want the correctness, you know. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's not like anyone's like like I know that the established like you know accepted spelling is O R, and weirdly enough, in my family, like there are some family members on my dad's side who spell it O R. What? For whatever reason, um, I imagine because they probably just got tired of having shit misspelled all the time. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I, I will. I mean, I've I've also at the point where it's just like, 
you know what, if people misspell it, fuck it. It's not a big deal. Like it's misspelled on my, on my fucking like ballot for voting. Interesting. Which, so you just which apparently voter doesn't matter on this podcast. I'll have to it add that apparently out. does not matter that my, that my last name is misspelled on my ballot. What? I'm still, I'm still allowed to vote normally, I even though I show social? an ID. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's just a typo on the part of the New York Board of Elections where they just misspelled my last name. Mm. But, you know, everything matches, so nobody cares, I guess. And I guess because there's not any other person with my same name and, and identifying information and all that. I mean, obviously. But. Interesting. See, like, I, I, I suffer from something similar, not to your extent, because yours is your last name. But my real first name is Henry. And okay. my middle name doesn't have Chase in it either. Um, but it starts with a C. So when I put in my forms as Henry C. Thomas, like more often than not, they're going to assume that C stands for Chase and then they're just going to butcher it and put in my wrong name. So I have to like fix all kinds of documents all the time because people assume that Henry C. is Chase and they just fill in the blanks and it's like, no, 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 no. It's not Chase. It's Charles. It's different. Uh, well, well, now that now that we've provided the people listening with enough information to steal our identities successfully... <laughs> Can they steal like, from you wanna, just that? You, should we, Is that should enough? We, should we both should we both disclose our mother's maiden names? Like with that, mm. you know, our the name of our first pet, or like whatever your your generic password prompt like for the yeah. question is. <laughs> I think I've named my first pet on this podcast before, but um, maiden name can't do that. That seems like a bad idea. No, no that's that down that road leads only pain. That would be the most embarrassing thing of all time. Just like, what happened? Oh, podcast went out, accidentally gave away too much information, and now my identity stolen. Classic mix-up. Yep, it's, it's all gone now. Um, which does not organically lead us to our topic of conversation tonight, John. Um, not at all. Is not at all, no. The Oakland A's, who... I'm going to give you a stat, and you're going to tell me if this is true or false. The Oakland A's have made the playoffs five of the last eight years. True or false? True. Okay. I found that out because I was going back season by season and I'm like, why does it not feel like the A's have been in the playoffs over half of the time in the last eight years? It doesn't feel right to me. That stat just weird on me. I'm like, what? How are they this unlucky? Five of eight. Because they haven't wanted a bit, like, they're not winning any of these games. They're not winning the series. And, like, when I'm talking myself into the Oakland A's as, like, a World Series contender, I'm like, ugh, this isn't good. Or is this just, like, maybe they can't get over the hump? Well, and then the, you see the, the, Billy Bean, the Billy Bean quote, which is, my shit doesn't work in the my playoffs. shit doesn't work in the playoffs, yeah. <laughs> and it's, well, because, like, and he, he's, he's right, because, like, it's always been the small sample size issue of the Oakland A's are the kings of building teams that are, not just good in the regular season, but then also amazing in the second half. Like last year, they they did it again. They just went nuts in the second half. I think they went um they went here we go. They went forty six and twenty four in the second half. That's a six fifty seven winning percentage, which over a full season would be a hundred and six wins. Like they are the most second half team ever. But of course, as you know, anyone listening knows the problem is in a short in a short series in a best of five or. or or the, the, I mean, I was going to say, and I know we were going to get into this, the biggest problem for the A's is the last two years of the postseason, they've gotten stuck in a wild card game. Yeah. The last two years, the Oakland A's, the Oakland A's won 97 games last year, 97 games in 2018, back to back, and both times they lost in a wild card game. 
And the the worst thing for them is they lost in wildcard games to teams that were inarguably just better. Like the Yankees in 2018 were just a straight up better team. Um, and I think in 2019, the Rays were just an underrated, really good team that just, um, you know, they, I mean, they put, they, they pushed the Astros pretty hard. I mean, that, that Rays team really had, had something going there, but that really has been the problem with the A's and with their existence, basically, is that they've had this singular misfortune. I think actually kind of similar to what the Rays have had of being good at the same time that a team in their division is great. Yeah. And obviously like not getting into like whatever it is behind the Astros success, be it, you know, their, their data heavy ways or just being filthy cheaters, like whatever it is, doesn't matter. You can't change it. And that's just the, the situation these are stuck in. But now they're in this nice position. It's like, Hey, the Astros took a step back. They're still going to be, if we do get a season, they're still going to be good. Like there's, I'm not going to pretend the Astros are not going to be a good baseball team. That's silly, but they lost Garrett Cole. Um, they didn't really do much of anything this off season in terms of making any additions or, you know, they, they, they let Cole walk and that was kind of it. Um, they're going to get Lance McCullers back, obviously, which, which is big for them. But, you know, they, they did not really do much. Their biggest move was getting Austin Pruitt or bringing back Martin Maldonado who's a good defensive catcher. Your, your choice on the two. Um, there, and, and I think this is probably something we're going to get into, but there is a real opportunity for the A's. If Houston, between losing Cole and whatever lingering, you know, psychic, mental, clubhouse, whatever we want to call it, effect of that offseason from hell they had with the cheating scandal breaking open, and the fact that they're going to be the most hated team in baseball the whole way through, that might mean something. You know, that might crack open the window a little bit higher, a little bit bigger for the A's to do something. Because then you look at that roster, too. You look at what the A's have built. That is a good team. They're, I think it's like, it's like Arizona, like we were talking about the other week. There's a lot to like here. Just a really solid roster. It's a lot of... And, and I think the thing with, with, with Oakland, too, is even more so than Arizona, you have those high-level, like, superstar MVP caliber players like Matt Chapman or now Marcus Semien. And the dude I love so much, Hazes Lazardo. Oh my goodness, I am. I have a lot of weird, conflicted feelings about baseball now, about mm. it returning, given how just awful everything has been with the ongoing labor dispute. I'm with aware. the idea of is this if this is a safe is this a safe thing to be doing during the pandemic? Like everything beyond that, but some like guys like Hazes Lazardo is why ultimately it's like I. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to myself. I'll be watching because I want to watch guys like Aces Lazardo pitch. That dude is legit as hell. And like, there's just so much to like about this team. And yeah, it's, if you're an A's fan, like you should be excited. And this is, this is probably, and I guess if there's, if there's one bummer, it's like that this season has just been such a piecemeal mess. It's like, you know, they are one of those teams from 2020 was really going to be like a, this was good. This was going to be a big year for them. Um, if only because obviously like, you know, they're not a team that keeps their stars. They won't pay for them. So every year that goes by is one year less going forward without Matt Chapman, without Marcus Semien, without Matt Olson, without, you know, Sean Manea. Well, I guess he's not really any real threat to, you know, he's, he's only got three years of service time, but and I guess that's the other thing is like the only real guy they have to worry about walking anytime soon is Semien because, this would be, I believe, his sixth year of service time. But, you know, Chapman, 
Olsen, uh, Manea, obviously Luzardo, AJ Puck. You know, those guys are all Sean Murphy, their their top prospect catcher who's gonna be I assume their their starting catcher of the season. Those guys are all under contract for quite a while at what should be extremely reasonable prices. Ramon Mariano to uh Chris Davis, I know I believe signed an extension with them. I I'm just going to double check now, but I feel like that's a thing to have, even though that, that one has not worked out at all because Davis seems to have just come crashing back to earth. But uh, yeah, he signed through 2021. So that's not bad. You know, that, that core is together for a little bit longer, but you know, that's the thing you really like 2020 is a big year for them just because of, you know, that the Astros really are looking a little weaker than usual. And they have all these guys kind of peaking and coming together and, and everything. But I mean, the, the core the window, I think is, it's not just, it's not a pure 2020 window like some other teams. I, I think this is the, the A's have a, a decently sized window, but I, I think for them, there must be some level of frustration. It's like, man, 2020, at least on paper really looked like it was going to be a great year for them. Yeah. And I think, it's really hard to go 97 wins, 97 wins, and then 97 plus wins three years in a row in a stacked, uh, very top-heavy AL, but also a tough division with the Astros, who I think are going to be a little bit worse, but not just terrible. I think the what's going to hinder or maybe help um, the Ast- or the Athletics this year is that I'm not sure about the Rangers yet. Like the Rangers can go two different ways. And if they're a better baseball team this year and the weird starting pitching that they have, just they all come together and they keep doing these weird reclamation projects with the Mike Miners and Lance Lynn's of the world. But um, the A's, they just, it doesn't feel like they're going to fall off yet. Like Bean has built this steady regular season team. And now what helps them is just there is a real chance they can win the division because they can win a series if they can get out of that wild card game, which you spoke to of just running into juggernauts like the Yankees that just kind of make us forget just how good those ace teams are because they're gone from our consciousness so quickly. Um, I think a lot of it depends on, you mentioned their two young flame throwing arms and the rotation that we haven't seen yet. And they're for different reasons, but one injury, one suspension, you're obviously very in on this guy, but Jesus Luzardo what do you see? Like, what is it about him that you're like, oh, this kid's going to be special? It's it's a it's a combination of it's the velocity, it's that wipeout slider, it's the fact that he throws left-handed, it's it, it's just a lot of just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Like he is just, you know, he throws 96. That I mean, I think you saw because he he pitched a few innings in that wild card game against Tampa Bay after Manea kind of tired out, but what you saw was just so. Oh my goodness! Like he he shut the Rays down for the few innings he was up there, and I know okay, fine, it's one it's one game, but like this kid's slider is just absolutely disgusting. I mean, you you look at the numbers behind it, and I, he only threw it or sorry, not slow. Baseball Savant has it listed as as a curveball, but you know, slider curveball, it's it's all breaking stuff to some degree or another. Um, batters had no hits on his curveball last year in the majors zero and a swing and miss percentage of 68 percent like granted this is a tiny sample size we're talking about we're talking about 51 curveballs total in 2019 in the major leagues because he only pitched uh, a handful of games I'm not, I'm not even sure how many probably two or three not counting the wild card game um i'm just looking up quickly for the sake of 
uh, he pitched six games all in relief, so only through twelve innings. So we're, we're again we're talking a tiny tiny sample size, but a a curveball with a where no one got a hit off it with a swing and miss rate of sixty eight percent. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. And it's not like that's his only like he had a sinker the batters hit oh seventy seven against. You know, a change of the batters hit one twenty five against a four seamer that sits at ninety seven miles an hour. Like this is video game stuff from this dude. He has four, four really, really good pitches. He can throw pretty much whenever he feels like it. You know, and all of them have just a ton of movement. It's there's just you just look at what he does, you look at you know the tools he has, and it's just it's really hard not to be excited. I mean yeah, that, that's just the thing to me. It's like the 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 curveball, especially the breaking stuff he has. Oh, man, it's again, it's one of those dudes. It's one of those young dudes where it's like it, he makes you excited about the season because you just know you can feel it that this dude is going to be special because of what he can throw and how he attacks hitters and the stuff he has. And yeah, I, I love him. I think he's, you know, if he gets a full, I mean, whatever qualifies now as a full season, you know, he's an he's an ace in the making. Um, he's going to be a great Cardinal in six years. Oh, Jesus. Can we, let's just, must, must we do this? Must we, (laughs) must we think about the Cardinals right now? Boring, boring Cardinals. Best fan base in baseball. I don't know if you've heard this or not. They don't make money either. They don't make money as it turns out. Mm -hmm. Um, According to Bill DeWitt Jr., who is apparently the stupidest businessman in America, but yeah, I, I just think for you know for Lazardo, I mean, and that's the, he's 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 in in a rotation that has a lot. Like Manea came back and looked really sharp, um, coming off what seemed to be a really serious shoulder injury, but he apparently put that um, in the past pretty easily. Although I think the thing you worry about with Manea going forward is he's not a big velocity guy. Um, he's not a dude who throws super hard. He taught, he averaged last year on his fastball, you know, what do we got? He averaged, why can't I read numbers anymore? Where are you? Where are you? Fastball speed, eggs of velocity. I don't know. Eggs of velocity. Get out of here. There it is. He averaged 89, 90 miles an hour in his four That's not great. You know, you, you don't feel great about that, especially because, in terms of stuff like spin rate, he's not particularly high up there. This is not a dude who's throwing, like he's throwing soft, but has like crazy spin rate or is super good at avoiding hard contact or something. You know, the peripherals are a little worrisome there. I mean, he's got like, like Lizardo, he's got great secondary stuff, but you know, he doesn't have the heat to match up with it, but still got good results last year. You have AJ puck coming off now full. I should be fully recovered from Tommy John surgery. It'll be interesting what he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankie Montes, who was throwing super well before he got suspended for PEDs. And obviously that kind of hangs over him in that sense of, okay, how legitimate is he? How much of a, how much of that was the PEDs? How much of that is just who he is? Because I mean, that's a guy with a huge prospect pedigree, Frankie Montes. He was a big time Dodgers prospect back in the day before he got hurt for approximately like four years straight. Um, so, you know, how much of that is, oh, he finally got healthy versus, you know, how much of that is he was on illegal stuff. And then you got Mike Fires is fine. But if Mike Fires is the worst pitcher in your starting rotation, you're not doing too bad. It's fine. Mike Fires is a perfectly capable back of the rotation guy. I think the question with Oakland's rotation is, 
you know, there are some injury worries there. There are guys who have not thrown a lot of innings. You don't really have beyond fires, a guy who can kind of just eat up innings. And they, I mean, the thing with Oakland is they have just a lot of guys kind of hanging around like Chris Bassett, like Daniel Mengden, like Daniel Gossett, Paul Blackburn, just these kind of okay kind of back-end starter types who can eat some innings if need be. I think the only issue there is you just, those are also guys who struggle with some injury issues. I think Mengden actually had elbow surgery back in February. So I don't know if he's going to be ready by whenever the season actually does start. But I guess the question there is how much, how, how good do you feel about that rotation depth wise? If some, if guys start getting hurt, and I think that's obviously every team has to worry about injuries, but I think especially with Oakland, you already saw that when two years ago, when they, uh, when they, played in the wild card game despite having a rotation that was literally at one point Edwin Jackson and Brad Anderson, you know, they can, cause they had a really good bullpen. So they can survive. They can survive the injuries. It's just how well can they survive those injuries? And then obviously put them into a bad position. It's like, well, we're going to bullpen the wild card game because we do not want to start Edwin Jackson against the Yankees at Yankee stadium. So obviously that's not going to be the case if everyone stays healthy, but I think that's the thing is, you know, can they get, can they keep everyone healthy in that rotation? Because the bullpen now is not as good as the bullpen then. You know, obviously Blake Trinan is gone. Uh, the other guy who was big that year, Lou Trevino, is taking a step back. Liam Hendricks is great. Yusmero uh, Petit continues to be one of the most underrated guys in baseball who's just ageless for whatever reason. But there's a lot of kind of variability there. There's some... There's not really beyond Hendricks and maybe Trevino, if he gets some stuff right, a guy there you really trust to handle high leverage innings. You know, Petit's been that guy, but I think Petit's better utilized as a kind of multi-inning dude, two, three innings at a time, um, working in relief of some of those pitchers who, you know, maybe you get them through five, you let Petit take two or two innings or so, and then you let Hendricks and whoever else finish it out. So, you know, th- th- it's going to be really important for the A's to keep their starting rotation healthy because they don't have a lot of depth, and that bullpen is fine, but it's not as good as it was two years ago. They, they can't really rely on that to just – you know, carry them at the same way. Although caveat, if, if it's a short season, if we're only going to get a 50 or so game season, obviously they can survive much better if a pitcher gets hurt, you know, with a, with a bullpen that isn't necessarily as great because well, there are just fewer games you have to cover basically. So, you know, that's, but that man, that rotation has so much upside just alone between Luzardo and Puck and Montes and even Manea, if you can find a little extra velocity. In your estimation, what do you think happened to Chris Davis? Is it just injuries? Is there a chance his pop comes back? Because that slugging percentage last year was just... Um, it was rough. Yeah. Um, I think the, if there's a problem with Chris Davis, it's he's not hitting fly balls anymore. Um, you look at his fly ball rate over the last... Especially last season, but over the last couple seasons, it has, it has dropped. His hard hit rate has dropped too. Um, I think obviously those go hand in hand. He's just not squaring up the ball as well. He is not lifting it as much. Um, and the thing is like, he, he's always been a guy who he kind of, he needs to put the ball in the air really to succeed. Obviously. I mean, most, most guys need to do that, but I mean, you look at, you know, his launch angle dropped five degrees last year from the year before, and he's never been a huge launch angle guy, but there obviously the, you know, you, you see that, that, that obviously stands out. His hard hit rate fell is, you know, his strikeout rate upped a little bit. Uh, but again, I think the big thing really is you look at the fly ball rate. It's, you know, it dropped from, from 2018 to 2019. He's pulling the ball a little more. He's, it's just not, 
Jason Hayward Itis. It's not quite that. I think it's just he's. You see, also his his chase percentage, his uh, first his swing and miss percentage, his swing percentage overall. All those rates went up. Not like a huge amount, but they they definitely went up. And he was getting fewer pitches in the strike zone. It just seems like pitchers were just working him outside the strike zone and trying to exploit him being over eager. And I don't. I mean, to a certain degree, I think he has kind of dealt with some injury issues over the last couple of years. Um, he, I mean, last year he was dealing with, um, excuse me, he was dealing with some hand pain. So obviously that has a big impact on power as well. Um, I think if he's healthy, if he's fully healthy and he gets just able to square up a bit more, I think he should be obviously better. But I mean, the, the problem there is he is not quite a one tool player, but he's definitely, it's it's power or nothing because he doesn't play. He's a terrible defender. You know, he's primarily a DH at this point. He's not much of a base runner. He's also okay. His walk rate's fine, but he's not like a he's not a terribly selective hitter. He's a power hitter, and obviously, if he ain't hitting for power, he's not really doing much for you. But I do think it's something that can be that can be addressed and figured out because if some of it is just injuries and just you know a, a busted hand, basically that's that's addressable. You know, that's just take some time, rest, and, and you'll do better. But it, it really is going to be a lot. Can he get the ball in the air more? Can he square up the ball better? You know, a, a big thing last year was he just struggled horribly against fastballs. He was just getting beat on them constantly. You know, can he figure that out? Can he start punishing hitters who try to who try to beat him, with, or hitters trying to punish? Can he get back to punishing pitchers who try to beat him with their fastball? I don't... I don't know. It's just those kind of guys where it just drops like that. I, I'm dubious of whether or not he can bounce back. Like, do you think it's something where are you a change of scenery guy? Cause I always think that's interesting when talking to different sports people about this, where it's just like, maybe he just needs a change of scenery. It's like, why, why, why do we assume that that's, I believe in the, bring his I, power back. I believe in the, I believe in the change of scenery idea to the extent that, it's not so much the actual, like some, some guys really do just need to be in a different organization with different people talking to them and hearing different voices. The one I always, the one I always think of is Travis Shaw, who was a good Red Sox prospect. They called him up. He struggled. Eventually he got traded away in a, what ended up being a terrible trade for Tyler Thornburg. And then he had a couple all-star seasons with Milwaukee and something he said, or when reporters asked him about it, something he said, he's, he admitted, he's like, honestly, I just needed to be in a different place. Um, being in Milwaukee and just hearing, like, just getting a different opinion, hearing different voices, like, that made a difference for him. And I think there's probably something similar-ish for Chris Davis in going to Oakland and just hearing, like, because he wasn't a bad hitter in Milwaukee. Like, that's the thing. Like, when you're not talking about a guy who was, um, you're talking about a guy who was, like, a, a, you know, this isn't Justin Turner 2.0, you know, this isn't J.D. Martinez. He was a good hitter in Milwaukee. He's been a good hitter in Oakland. I don't necessarily, obviously, without having talked to him, be you know anyone within the A's organization, I can't say for sure. Oh, they unlocked something within him. I think it was just a combination of more regular playing time, probably some coaching adjustment, and just you know the fact that he's just a big, powerful guy, and like you know you run into enough fastballs, and you can make you can make stuff work like that. But I, I guess if there's another thing to worry about with Davis, though, it is the fact he turns he turned 32 last December. You know, he is on the older side. This is a this is the point where guys do start to experience that drop in terms of production just because they are getting older. 
So, I mean, I imagine going to the season, he is probably their biggest concern because a healthy, functional Chris Davis makes a huge difference in that lineup. If it goes, you know, Loriano, Semyon, Chapman, Olsen, Davis, that is, that is tough. There are not a lot of teams that can, that can, uh, that can do better than that in, their, in the top half of their lineup. And even the bottom half isn't all that bad. Mark Canha, not a bad hitter. Steven Piscotty, loads of talent. Ala Davis, just a lot of injury well, issues. I was going to ask Scotty because he doesn't actually have a yeah, Mur- spot lined up right now with Grossman and, and friends. Like everything I've read yeah. seems to indicate that he is not going to be an everyday starter and he has to work his way back in. That is probably the case, if only because he just really did play very poorly last year. And I, I have to imagine that the A's want to see him both be healthy. And especially, I think the big thing for him is he's got to he's got to cut down on the strikeouts. You know, he he just strikes out way 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 too much. You know, in a hundred or sorry, three hundred ninety three plate appearances last year, he struck out eighty four times. That's a oops. That's that's not how you do math. Um, that's a twenty four twenty two percent rate. That's that's not it's not terrible, but that's not great either. You don't want to be striking out that much. Um, especially if you're not going to be matching it with any power. Like you can get away with that if you're like a Chris Davis type who has a ton of power. But for a guy like this guy, it's like no, you got to be making more consistent contact. So you're, I think you're right that they probably are just going to make him like win that job back. The good thing for Piscotti is Robbie Grossman really is not much in the way of competition. He had a terrible season last year, and he really is at best a reserve at this point. Um, I mean, I guess if if you're looking for some kind of potential problem spots in the A's like right field is definitely one of them second base I think is the other where I mean yeah. right now they've got it's it's not Jerks and Profar folks no because he got dealt with Oakland he got dealt with San Diego he wasn't very good last year anyway no but I mean maybe that's maybe that's Tony Kemp maybe that's Franklin Barreto if they you know now that Semyon is kind of entrenched shortstop and maybe that Simeon and Chapman on that side of the infield. Like you just want those two. Yeah, maybe maybe you just give that time to a guy like Ryan Goins and just kind of hope for the best. I I don't know. I mean, there, there's not a really or maybe you know maybe it's a guy like Sheldon Noose who uh, was also part of that trade that brought Luzardo to Oakland for Sean Doolittle. Um, you know, maybe Jorge Mateo. Although the, this is the word you know not having a minor league season hurts because you know there's that idea of like oh maybe Jorge Mateo if he you know if he does. Uh, if he has a good, you know, first half of the season, like maybe he becomes an option for them down the stretch. But obviously, that's you know, maybe now you're talking. Maybe Jorge Mateo gets thrown on a taxi squad. You know, he, he, that lost development time is kind of a, that that's that's an issue. But obviously, that's an issue for every team. But I mean, at the same time, though, every every team can live with a few with a few holes in the lineup. And again, the rest of Oakland's lineup is so strong. And it'd be so much stronger if Chris Davis is good. You can you can you can survive if you have to give regular at bats to, to and, and if you have to give regular at bats to Franklin Barreto, who was a top prospect once upon a time. Yeah. You know, he was, he was the the like crown jewel of the otherwise hideous Josh Donaldson trade. Um, which really we we probably don't talk enough about the fact that, that is one of the worst trades of the last twenty years. Maybe more. I mean, really not a good one. Oakland got. Oakland got next to nothing but you know what, out of that. It, you know they, what's funny with that, and when you think about that and the Chris Archer trade, is that like in the moment, both of us and a lot of other smart baseball writers and thinkers were just like, well, what are you doing? This wasn't like a hindsight's 2020 thing where people no, were like, no, oh, I don't know very, how this, this is going to... Let's just see how it plays out. We immediately were like, this oh, this is not going to play out well. 
No, this is very much a this is very much everyone and everyone who saw it immediately understood. It's like, oh, this is a money thing. Yeah, this is a, this is purely because you don't want to pay Josh Donaldson anymore this is why because you know he doesn't work walk. in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and like, and so that's how it is. But like, I mean, that's why I say like when I when I say that I really like what Oakland does because they obviously like every other team have their weaknesses, but those weaknesses are not particularly big. You know, I, again, I think the biggest issue facing them right now is probably starting pitching depth and the issue of, oh, we have a lot of pitchers who have had some injury issues and who are also on the younger side. And so, you know, can we really trust them to, you know, take up a full starter workload? Obviously, that's also going to be way less of an issue if we get a 50 game season. Right. You know, asking Hazel right. Luzardo to throw 180 innings. Yeah, that's dicey. Asking Hazel Luzardo to throw whatever it's going to be, 75 innings, whatever it ends up being much more doable, you know, maybe, maybe not even 75, 50, you know, that's, that is to the benefit of a team like Oakland that has a thin rotation. The only problem is of course, if guys get hurt, then they're in really, really big trouble. But, you know, we will have to wait to see how the season plays out. If a season plays out, are you uh, higher on Murphy or Olsen? Who are you higher on as young prospects for the ace at catcher at first? Well, definitely. Uh, well, definitely Olsen, just because he's, he's done it. You know, he's been there. He's just a great power hitter. Uh, Murphy is more of a contact guy. Matt Olson? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. he. Um, his mom uh, was a teacher at an elementary school um, that I went to, and his brother was in my grade. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, we'll say, though, his brother, not my biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing with Olsen is, like, he's he's just a hard-hit machine. He yeah. just punishes baseballs and murphy seems like i mean obviously we I, I did he even play in the majors last year i'm actually just yes, in the prospect i don't I, he got a cup of coffee I yes think. he did definitely his more thing is injuries contact yeah and he's definitely just more of a contact oriented guy um he hits the ball hard too just not as hard as olsen which you know granted there's not a lot of guys with the ball as hard as matt olsen but again like you're talking about a, a, a rookie catcher who's probably going to bat toward the bottom of the lineup you know, this is development time for him. And if they, you know, especially if they think his defense is good enough to, to, to do the job, then why not? I mean, cause what, what was the other option? I mean, they've got, you know, the other, the other catcher right now that they have is, geez, Austin Allen. Who, I was going to say, I don't think they really the have one, which is the, kind of a concern. Cause I think they need to sign somebody. Well, it, it's interesting. Cause Austin Allen's the guy they got from the Padres is pretty highly thought of, but he's also like Murphy is pretty much a rookie. He's barely played in the majors. So they don't really have that veteran catcher right now um, to kind of be there either as a mentor or to kind of fill in if, if the rookies don't don't pan out. And maybe maybe there's some idea that's like, okay, well, you know, we, we go with these guys. And if it really isn't working, like cheap glove first catchers are not hard to find. A lot of them are scattered around the minors, especially now that, you know, a lot of those guys, if there is no minor league season, are just going to be sitting around with, you know, with no job because those are those are the first guys the teams are going to get rid of. Um, although I guess it depends on you know how many of them end up on taxi squads or whatnot, how many teams decide they want to ca- carry, you know, four or five catchers total. Um, this is going to turn into college I mean, football. Yeah. Like I thought about that when I was reading, just how the minor league system and teams carrying certain like Alabama has like nineteen different analysts that they pay. <laughs> during the season yeah. like, it's just not fair they just hoard coaches and if you're a program like texas tech you just can't afford that and you're we're just like oh well sorry that's just college football this year like sorry you or don't you can't just afford the idea it. that like like the fifth guy on alabama's wide receiver depth chart is like a five-star recruit like yeah you know 
That's what baseball is going to be with these like certain teams doing certain things that other teams can't. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I do think that if you do want a cheap veteran catcher, they're not all that hard to find at this point. And maybe that's maybe that's Oakland's mindset is we'd rather roll with these rookies and just give the job outright to you know old old ass Jonathan Lucroy at this point, you know, which is something that you know what's crazy. To I was going to suggest Jonathan Lucroy. I, I didn't say it out loud. That's insane. I was just about to say that, John. We've done too many podcasts it, together. It's really, really weird how he went from like all star, like future, you know, future, like top five catcher to just he he was in the Red Sox minor league system last year. I think at one point he just he just fell apart. He's just not a good player anymore. Yeah, it's really crazy how just life came at him really fucking fast. Although he is thirty three years old, so I you know catchers catchers age in dog years. So, um. <laughs> But yeah, I, I that needs to be on a T-shirt. Thing, like, there's just so much about that lineup to like. I mean, really, the only spots again where you're just kind of like, eh, are second base and right field. And the other thing we didn't mention with right field is they've got Seth Brown down in the minors, who came up last year and hit for a fair amount of power. You know, big, bulky left-handed bat. Not a top prospect, but a guy who can hit, who can play, who can hit for some power. You know, definitely a guy that they can, you know, if Grossman and Piscotti are not working out, they can try him there and see if they can catch a little lightning in a bottle. Um, I think the only one where they're really going to have to probably figure out some kind of outside solution is second base, unless Barreto has turned a corner or unless they get, again, maybe a lightning in the bottle type situation with Noyce or with, or with Jorge Mateo. But there are worse problems to have than our second base situation is not great when everything else works well. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you think when you look at we we touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the show, but when you look at the Rangers, the Mariners, just who knows, whatever. I I, I assume they're going to be bad, but it's uh, Jerry DePito has already done like eight trades since we started recording. I I don't know. Um, do you think this is a team that should now be favored over the Astros in the AL West? And also, does that change their entire trajectory? Just like what? the current makeup is of the AL West around them versus what it was in previous years. I don't, I still think Houston is probably the favorite if only by virtue of they just, I think they're just, they're still a better team. And I should mention the Angels the too, is, who I think got a lot better this off season. And that's the thing I was going to mention with the A's is that you look at what they did last year in terms of results. They had, um, they went, I think a combined like, they played, so it was 38 games. They went like combined like 26 and 12, I think, against the, against the Rangers and the Angels. Mm. Um, that, I mean, I think, I think the Angels will be better. I think the Rangers will probably also be a little better. It's, you know, so at that point it becomes a question of like, yeah, they went to, yeah, 20, 26 and 12. That will have an effect, obviously. They will not have necessarily those two teams to beat up on. Then again, they only went 10 and 9 against Seattle, so that obviously could change. But I still think Houston is better. I just think the gap is close is is closer. You know? And that already it already was not a huge it wasn't that huge a gap in the I mean, I know the the Astros won that division by 10 games, but I don't think that I mean they won 107 games last year. I don't think the Astros are gonna win 107 games again this year. You know, that's the other thing is like they're they're gonna drop in that category, but they're going like I think the Astros aren't winning 107, but I also think the Rangers and the Angels are winning more. The people who are just like all in on the Angels, I'm like they won 72 games last year. Do you think they're having a 25 game jump? Really? Like I, 
Uh, and obviously because I, the games are different, it's not going to be that, but like that kind of pace. I don't, I don't see it. I just think with the Astros is you just look at the rotation and just, we worry that like three through five is just a lot of question marks between Jose Urquidy, Lance McCullers and Josh James. And maybe, you know, maybe eventually guys like, I mean, Francis Martez at this point is, is completely written off because of all the PED suspension, but you know, maybe, maybe Forrest Whitley eventually, maybe, maybe CNL Perez, maybe size need like, but still like there's, the pitching depth is not great for Houston right now. And again, in a similar situation to Houston, that matters not as much during a short season if everyone can stay healthy. Um, but again, you are also relying on two above 35 pitchers in Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke. And while they've been virtually indestructible for the last three years somehow, how many times do you want to roll that particular set of dice and hope that it comes up right, you know? Those are older guys, and older guys break down more easily, even if they do have insane conditioning, which I'm sure they do. Um, so I think the gap is probably closer between Houston and Oakland, because, I mean, losing Garrett Cole alone really helps close that gap. Yeah. You know, this is the best pitcher in baseball right now. It's either him or Max Scherzer, or I guess Jacob DeGrom. Well, I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but he's definitely, he is part of that conversation and certainly top five, no matter how you want to slice it. But... That's the thing. I think there is a real chance for the A's there, even even with the Angels getting better, and even with the Rangers probably getting better. I think Houston getting slightly worse is does open that window up for them. Does it open it up enough? I think it's a similar scenario. I think when we I think we've discussed this before with the Rays and the Yankees, where you still have the Yankees as the favorite, but where the Rays were maybe you know, you know, you, maybe you have the Rays as like a twenty percent chance to win the division. Probably you have Oakland at the same place, one in five. That's not bad. You know, as opposed to last year, it was probably closer to like one in 10. Now, is that gap closed enough? Yeah. I, I mean, again, I still think Houston is a favorite. I still think Houston, if assuming the AL West remains the AL West, um, I still think that Houston is the favorite. I still think Houston wins that division, but I do think Oakland's going to give them a, as, as they did last year, is going to give them a, going to give them a run for it. Yeah. And I, I really just can't pick the Astros like both out of principle and because I think there's just going to be this season's going to be weird altogether. Um, but I, I just, there's so much to like about this athletics team. Everything is just trending up when you go through every little bit. And like you said, when really their biggest issues are like what they're doing at second base, which isn't a huge thing. Chris Davis can be the bottom of the lineup. Who cares? Um, injuries are going to be a big thing, but I don't know. I think it's, it's going to be, a team that is in a really good position to just do a lot of damage in a shortened season. Um, if you had to do anything else though, before the season or even mid season, like what, what are you targeting? Um, or is there a person in mind? You're like, Oh, this team, like the A's could use this guy. Is there someone that fits that mold for you? Because a, a thing in our podcast that we'll, we'll always say is like good teams always need bullpen help. That's if that's the last thing you need, then you're in really good shape. If your bullpen sucks, um, what do you think? What do you it's see there. when you look at this roster? Is there a guy and also a position that you're just like, ah, I think they really both realistically could alleviate some issues here and also, um, uh, that you would like to see them do. You're saying like with a trade or in free agency this winter? I, I think we can go ahead and cancel out free agency. Like, I don't think they're going to do anything. I'm, I'm saying a trade. That's true. Yeah. That's the A's. They're not going to do anything in, in free agency. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> trade. Trade-wise, it probably is 
uh, second base, I think is the one you probably end up focusing on. I just, I'm not really sure what you do there because if you're the A's, you're probably targeting like a, a lesser, a lower guy on the, on, on the, on the second base tier, maybe a free agent to be um, from a team that might be a little more out of it. So I guess if you're looking at, you know, if you're looking at the standings and what, what kind of veteran second baseman might be available, yeah, the pickings are kind of slim. The, you know, it'd be a super interesting one is if Seattle agreed to eat a lot of the money Robinson Cano still has left on his contract. Oh, wait, no, what am I saying? He's on the Mets now. Oh my yeah. God. I just, I just like traveled back in time. <laughs> I, I honestly was about to like go back and I'm like, did I just black out? Did I forget? Did I just, yeah, I, wow. That was, oh my goodness. Hey, boy, I, I mean, I wish we could all go back like two years. That would, or not maybe a little further and like just warn people about stuff. Mm. Um, Save baseball. You're like the Astros. Look at the clanging. I promise. Yeah, look at pay pay attention to the Astros. They're evil now, um, or I guess always have been. But I guess that's the thing. Like the, the problem you've kind of run into with a lot of these kind of bad teams is that for the most part, none of them really have anything available anymore in terms of stuff to move. Because if you're the A's, you're not going to go out and and you know make the big prospect move for you know whatever the top option theoretically would be like they're not going to go get um Whit Merrifield you know that that's just not real I also don't think the Royals want to move him I think he's like weirdly untouchable with their rebuild yeah and, and that's the thing I, I wouldn't expect him to be moved but it's just if you're thinking like good second baseman on bad teams that would theoretically move someone um I don't know maybe maybe it's something like you know Jonathan Scope at what from the Tigers at whatever deadline exists you know or, or maybe it's I don't know. I mean, some backup infielder type on another team, like I was going to say like Joe panic, but that's really depressing. Is he he signed? I thought he retired. Yeah. He's with the, no, he's with the blue Jays. Are you sure? I thought Joe panic retired. Did he not announce his retirement? I I just, I just looked on roster resource. He's just hanging out on the blue Jays now. I'm literally typing in. Did Joe panic retire is the first thing that comes up. I'm just chilling. Weird. um, I think he retired. Maybe I don't because know. he sucks now. I mean, an interesting one would be something like if you if you were to go to like the Rockies, mm. you know, because they have this kind of middle infield mix of Ryan McMahon, Garrett Hampson, and eventually Brendan Rogers. Yeah, and you just see what someone like Hampson might cost. You know, I don't necessarily know if he is if he fixes anything, quote unquote. Another interesting dude, um, depending on what the Marlins want to do, is Jonathan VR, who. You know, he's got middle infield experience, is going to be the center fielder in Miami after the Orioles got rid of him for no real discernible reason. Um, that's, you know, a lot of good speed, good contact, just a very solid all-around player. You know, that is a potential, that is a possibility there if, what if for whatever reason, Miami, you know, at, at, I guess the other thing is, is there going to be a deadline this year and, like, what's it going to look like? But VR is definitely an older veteran guy who probably would not cost very much if, uh, if Miami did decide to move him, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe if you can get the giants to subsidize a guy like Brandon Crawford and move him across the Bay and stick him at second base. Um, is that worth doing? I, I don't know. Like, but I just feel like that's the kind of, that's the kind of tier that the A's are going to be operating in. 
See, I you know, don't really and I guess care the about the day. Sunday stuff for them. I think their offense is going to be elite. I love the top of their order. Like, I think they're going to be raking. They're going to hit a lot of dingers. They love hitting dingers. It's one of their favorite things. Um, they're the twins when people don't realize that they're close to being like the twins. I would actually target yeah. a veteran, like with their young arms that we both love. I would love to see them target somebody. I mean, they could just sign Edward Jackson again and just have him be great for them um, for a four-month stretch. But, you know... I don't want to watch Mike Fultonevich ever again. And if the A's came to Alex Anthopoulos and was like, uh, we'll give you our like some interesting prospect capital for for him. I uh or you know what? Stephen Piscotti, I would uh I'd listen. I would be like, what would it take to get Piscotti if he's not an everyday player for you guys anymore? Um, you know who I'd would like to not do that? What if we gave you Ender and Ciarte? And we gave you Mike Fultonevich, and you and uh, we give uh, back Stephen Piscotti. Is that a fair trade? I don't know. I mean, it just it's going to depend a lot of what Piscotti's doing at that point. If it's if at that point it's kind of like a just like a broken parts deal. Mm. I, I mean, I'm just looking now at the Giants roster since I pulled it up for Crawford. I mean, maybe there maybe you bring back former A Jeff Samarja, or maybe yeah. you target a guy like Johnny Cueto if the Giants are willing to pay some of that down. You know, that kind of guy who when he's on is an above average starter they're and on at my the list, very by least the way, eat the innings for you. i want to talk to you about it in the future um oh, the, the giants are very weird i know they we just like weird they just remain podcast. they just remain perpetually weird that's that's the thing for me is they're just a because the other thing is like again a lot of those kind of you know bad teams don't really have a whole lot of pitching kind of left to give away at this point mm-hmm. um it you know, and then again, because it's the A's, they're always going to be kind of operating at that bargain basement level of like, you know, other people's kind of trash, essentially. Yeah. I mean, the Rangers do the um, same thing. The Rangers know. literally are betting on their rehabilitation project for their starting pitching. Like, that's what they do. Yeah. They rehabilitate guys I mean, we think are done. Or maybe, or maybe something like this. Like, I don't think the A's would be in the running for Matt Boyd if the no. Tigers made him available. But maybe someone like Yvonne Nova makes sense for them. Oh, God. He's not good. What about Felix Hernandez? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh God, it's already it's already weird enough to think of Felix Hernandez in a Braves uniform. Something about him in an A's uniform is just depressing. Mm. But like, Ivan Nova, if nothing else, the last three years has been roughly a league average pitcher. There is actual value in that, even if the dude doesn't strike anyone out and yeah. never really has. You know, but he can, he's, he's, he would have a good infield behind him with Chapman and Semyon and Olsen and then whoever's at second base. So, you know, a ground ball guy would make a lot of sense. He's going to come pretty cheap because he's already 32 or he just turned 33 in January. He's under contract for $9 million or so dollar or for only a million and a half dollars for $1.5 million this year. Nothing, you know, he, and that obviously it's not going to be even that much because it's only going to be whatever chunk of the season ends up getting played. That's a guy who's going to cost zero. I imagine you can get him from the Tigers for close to zero at a certain point, like toward the end of the season when they just, cause they're not going to bring him back. You know, eventually that rotation is going to get turned over so that it is Casey Mize and Matt Manning and uh, Tariq Skubal and um, you know, all the other really cool dudes they have down in their farm system. Um, is Kashner something? Alex Fado. Andrew Kashner? Yeah. Dear God, I hope not. He's terrible. I know, but he seems oh, like someone no, who you plug him into the A's. He's, so like, he's good now. <laughs> he is he is currently a free agent. Hmm. Aaron Sanchez so, sign up for that. He would be an interesting gamble, though I think he is probably too hurt at this point. Hmm. 
So, but yeah, it's. So I think Felix Hernandez for at, Steven Biscotti, it is. That's what we've landed on here. Ugh, <laughs> good lord, no. Um, I want Biscotti in a Braves probably, uniform. Let me have this. What a weird trade that would be, but. I, I do think it would make. I think mean, someone like an Ivan Nova would make sense, or someone yeah. like a Jeff Samarja with a good chunk of whatever whatever he's owed um, paid down. You know, I think that the, I think that makes more sense for the A's given what we know about you know how they operate. And then so this is the last year of Samarja's contract too. You know, granted he's making he was scheduled to make twenty million. Obviously, he's not going to make that much. You know, if you're if you're the A's. You know, do you go to the Giants and say, "Hey, you eat half of what's left of this contract, and we'll take him off your hands." What do the Giants need Jeff Samarja for? Especially if he's a free agent, they're not going to resign him. They're not going to give him a qualifying offer. They might as well get something for him, right? You know, and, you, and you've seen that the Giants are more than willing to, you know, they, they they are treating their team basically as one giant like, you know, home for bad contracts and money does not really matter to them. So if they have to eat a little money to get a better prospect in return, I'm sure they would do it. But I think if you're the A's, that's probably more along the lines of what you're going to aim for. Because I think what we said makes sense, like you get a guy who can fill in some innings toward the back of the rotation and be that insurance in case guys get hurt or in case someone like Pock isn't, isn't Trump turns out, isn't ready. Or, if, you know, Montes, it turns out his, you know, it was more PED fueled than anything else. Or if Manea's velocity doesn't come back, you just have that guy there. Where you're like, okay, at least we can feel comfortable knowing that every fifth day, we're going to get five to six pretty decent innings out of this guy who's been around the bend a few times. Yeah. Hmm. So what is your ultimate gut telling you about the A's in 2020? Where, how does it end for them? Do they win a playoff series? Um, obviously, since we don't know what the schedule looks like, I don't want to say for sure, but I think if they make the playoffs, I think they do. That's just such a good team. And I think I really think, I really think Lizardo is the X factor for them. It's just that kind of that dude with that like ace level stuff. Um, I obviously, you know, if if, every, if Chris Davis is healthy, if everyone's healthy, that lineup is going to mash. That that's like Twins light right there is what that lineup is. You know, the Twins probably have the best lineup in baseball right now. Maybe not the best lineup in baseball, but probably the best lineup in the AL right up there with the Yankees. But the A's are right there too. Yeah. I guess the Astros. You know, there are a lot of good lineups in the American League, but the the A's are a lineup that can really rake if it's all together. So. I, li- I like the A's as a playoff team. I think they can win a playoff series if they get past the dreaded wildcard game. Obviously, the the expanded um, the expanded playoffs if that happens will help. But yeah, it's I, I, I like the A's a lot. I think they're obviously a really good team. I agree. I I buy into the A's. I think the expanded playoffs that's almost for sure going to happen is going to help them. Um, yeah, they should be considered at the elite level that we look at the Rays and the Yankees. Like, the Yankees are, I guess, just their own tier. They really should just be that. But, like, tier 1A should be the Rays, A's, Astros, and I guess that's it. Would you throw anyone else in there? And then it's like the rest of the AL is just like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Yankees, the Twins, Twins I guess, Astros, with, the, Ray, in there. with the Rays and the A's right there with them. And then it's next step down is... Boston, Cleveland, next step down, Texas, Angels, White Sox. Mm. Um, Orioles get their own level? The Orioles are in the (laughs) sub-basement. The Orioles are in one of those Midwestern cellars that Mm. you hide in from tornadoes. um, Because the Orioles are a tornado. But, 
Yeah, I, I think the A's are right there with the they're they're just like maybe a half step below along with the Rays, the the Ales elite teams in Minnesota and New York and, and Houston. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for their young guys and I'm excited to watch A's baseball again. And uh that's gonna be, it's gonna be A's good. baseball. And yeah, just Ooh. baseball in general. Um John, is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? No, just uh Watch you in Home Improvement. I mean, it again. It's that weird. It's that weird push and pull between like you want baseball back, but the way it's all kind of playing out, you don't want baseball back. So Doug Glanville talked me into the fifty-game season, where like these teams are gonna just the amount of chess that's gonna have to be played for a fifty-game season would be unbelievable television. We're like these. It's teams gonna be. It's gonna be shit. It's gonna be real weird for for managers all of a sudden to, to deal with like every game is suddenly to an extent kind of sort of a playoff game yes like I'm kind of here for it the way he explained it I'm like yeah you know like if you're the Nationals and you're like suddenly eight games back because you had some bad one run losses because your bullpen imploded do you just go sorry Strasburg and Scherzer you're pitching every and Corbin you're pitching from now on like that's just it like we're just gonna run you guys into the ground to get us in the playoff like there's just no more days off. No more like like I, I'm just very fascinated to see how that would look. Like it would just be a bloodbath. Yeah, it's it's going to be real weird for managers though, to adjust that. I, I would. Be oh, I'm sorry that, that managers works. now have to actually do more. Like that's the other thing. It's like this is uh they're going to actually have to do more in game strategy. I I like that. It's not a negative. <laughs> Unless your team is Brian Snicker managing it, then you're like, oh, is this good? This, gonna be this, is, this is not a this is not a Braves podcast. We don't have to get into this. Mm-hmm. I am genuinely surprised you have not made me talk about the Braves yet. So you can just yell. I have about... made you talk about the Braves. We talked about Piscotti and Mike Boltnevich and Felix Hernandez. <laughs> but like, just just so you can have something where you just yell about Marcelo Zuna for twenty five minutes while I sit silent on the other end of the line. I'm not going to yell about him. Like it's it's weird. Did you see what happened to him this past week? Yeah, very strange. Not a common. Uh, report, I would say. No, definitely not. Um, but no, there's nothing really to yell about him. He's just gonna hit a lot of dingers, and he'll be fine. Like he's just a one-year stopgap. Like whatever, Azuna will be fine. He'll be good in the middle of the order. He'll be okay. There's nothing really for me to yell about the Braves right now. There's not a lot. I just, I don't feel great about the Fulton Evich stuff anymore. I'm never gonna like. It's just I'm over the ride. I'm over the up and down. Like I'm over the the wristbands. I'm over just never being 100% certain, always being tantalized by the velocity, and when he's on, he's on. It's like the Julio Tehran experience, to a lesser degree, where Tehran, man, like, five games on, five games off, and you were like, oh, he's he's fine, but, like, the fact that he just had so many opening day starts, and you're just like, he's like a solid number four, but he's been, like, miscast for years, and I can't can't deal with it anymore. Um, there you go. There's my mini Braves man. Lot- how has there lo- turned into a long conversation about Mike Fulton Because <laughs> he matters in the Braves this year. Like, he matters. He's still an important cog. Felix Hernandez is in their Fulton rotation right now. In 2020. That's, that should not happen. How did that happen? Uh, the Braves did not spend money and Cole Hamels got hurt. Yeah, well, isn't, is Hamels actually going to be back if when the season starts, because I knew he was supposed to miss, I think the first month or so of the, of the original season. 
I do not know for sure yet. Um, I don't know if that's been reported. I don't think it has. Yeah, well, Mike fulton I don't know. There's not if Mike fulton one of those guys who are just kind of like, oh, well, Mike fulton and you don't really have anything to add to that. <laughs> Which is always good. That means good things are on the horizon when that's, that's all you got. Um, all right, John. Well, I think that's everything Ace. Um, who are we doing next week? Who do you want to talk about? I don't know. I mean, what 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 interesting team have we not have we not discussed? Hmm. Unless you want to just go go across the bay and do the Giants. I think we should do the Giants next week. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the San Francisco, the Farhan Giants, the Fighting Farhans, the Fighting Farhans. There we go. Yeah, that's a that's a it's it's weird because that's going to be a, a well. I mean, the Rockies are inept, but this is probably going to be a last place team. The Giants? There's just not the Giants. Yeah, there's just not a lot to like about what they've got going so far. This is definitely like, yeah, this is this is the transition period. There's um, a lot of negative about what's going on with the Rockies, so I would actually still hedge on the Rockies. I just I can't bring myself to like the Rockies because they're just incompetently run all the way around. So yeah, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's yak about the Giants. Giants next week it is. All right. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. Goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.